the 11-month mark when you walk in and your kids ran his head through the wall. That's my house. That what we do is a is a niche in and of itself. I mean, there's there's a lot of myths here about like what can and can't be done, and we break those things down. Like if there's an oddball, they're calling Barn Doco. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Barndo Show. Uh, I'm here today with my man Ross, and uh, it's almost baseball season, man. I know it. <laughs> who Who is your team growing up? Are you like a your uh, Atlanta Braves? Everybody, Atlanta Braves. right? Everybody, because it's a hometown team. Yeah, if you live in the southeast, you're an Atlanta Braves fan. Yeah, we better not chop chop. They cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can never do away with it. No, like yeah. PR can't take that from us. I was in Academy last night, and they had an Atlanta Braves like dirty chain, super bling. You should have brought it. I'm not that hard. Bro. I'm not that hard, bro. <laughs> no, so it, uh, baseball season's coming up. And like, you know, it. it's always fun for me because, like, growing up, baseball was, like, everything. Like, there was nothing else going on. Like, I played Little League Baseball. I remember going the Greenville Braves was here. Like, baseball was just a huge piece of, like, my childhood. And, um, you know, in, in that world, one of my favorite things is, like, Field of Dreams. And so I was thinking about this the other day because we always get asked, like, why, like y'all just be popping up locations, you know? And it's one of those things, like, people always ask, like, hey, what brought you to this location? Because we're not in any, like, we're not really in the center of any major markets. We kind of hit those rural outliers of those markets. And, you know, like, Greenville's the hot center of the upstate, and we're in Duncan just a few miles out because it's a little more close to the rural aspect. And then Charleston's a really hot scene, and we're kind of in that Somerville. Um, and then, you know, Raleigh was a big push, and we kind of looked around there and filtered out, and we, we ended up landing in Dunn, North Carolina. And, like, anybody that knows where Dunn is, like, how did you end up in Dunn? Yeah, but I think it's based on the product, though. Obviously, what we build is not a situation where – sorry about that. <laughs> it's not a situation where you want to build this thing downtown. People, no, no. Want, people want to build these things in – Two acre, five acre, ten acre lots. I mean, I live in one that's ten acres. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a way of life. It's a kind of a cult following, but it's not a cult following. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, this is like the science behind it is we do pre-sale markets, and we kind of see where people are, and we we it's always rural outliers, um, and so the 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 mechanism behind it, we kind of did it with Somerville was we knew that there was a a market share in the Charleston market. Um, but it's not really the coastal side where a lot of the builders live. Our people are kind of escaping the hustle and bustle and going rural most of the time. It's like 90%. And so Somerville is just a perfect place because Somerville is like still a bustling town, but it's closer to where the rural transformation is taking place. And so like Dunn, North Carolina, we landed there. And and, and the theory behind all of it is if you build it, they will come. And that's kind of like, Field of dreams, you know, like they're like, don't worry. Everybody thought that was lunacy, and they cut this thing out, and the rest well, is history. This is true in every facet of our business. We build one, we build ten. Yep. We build ten, we'll build a hundred. Yep. And so we just got to get one at first. Yep. And so um, it, it blows up super quick from that first build. You know how it is. And so we'll open up one facet, and you have to be on your board, and I'll say, well. That'll be in the next quarter. We'll be there, and then you sell another one. I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna have a rush, a tidal wave. And sure enough, there's a tidal wave for sure. But so the the, the thought process behind 
if you build it, they will come is absolutely true. But I do think it's a clientele situation where it's a different, it's a different people completely. So, yeah. So, you know, and you know, if you're a consumer and you're, you're listening and you're thinking like, Hey, we're kind of in this phase of like, this is a great idea. This is a dream. And, and we want to make this a reality for us. And you, you know, it's always associated to a, to a vision and mo- more oftentimes than not, it's a rural vision. Um, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of myths here about like what can and can't be done. And we break those things down. Like if there's an oddball, they're calling barn doco. So like we just, uh, released recently on social media, the city barn, which was a build for an investor who was buying and flipping and they, they hold and lease properties all across like downtown municipalities. And this was in downtown Spartanburg. And I remember she called me and she's like, Hey, I got this lot in Spartanburg. I want you to come out and look at it. And we roll up. And it's like what point one nine acre or something like it's very tiny, teeny tiny, and it's in a downtown like it was absolutely out of our wheelhouse in the beginning. Yeah, it's a village. Like it's like a it's like a what you think of like a you maybe used to be the the rural outlier of the city, but you know Spartanburg kind of like an old mill town, textile town, and then like it's like a mill hill almost. And she had this lot where a house was, and I guess it you know got condemned and they demolished it. And then, but there was a lot of limiting factors to this particular lot. One is lot size. You know, this is like teeny, teeny tiny, 0.19. You might be in a part of the country. You're like, that's big. You know, that's a micro ranch. Like I had that perspective in Utah when we lived out there, like um, in the city part of the, you know, in the main valley there, like they'd be like, we've got these micro ranches. And I'm like, you know, what? they're like, this is a horse property. It's like 1.8 acres. You know? yeah, yeah. We call that <laughs> yeah. a front yard. Yeah. So, but we went in Spartanburg and we built a monitor. It's a really cool uh, barn um, that it's like your traditional monitor style. It looks so out of place in downtown, which is really cool about it. But the thing was, not only was it a tiny lot, but the grade on it was just almost straight down. It was, it was something else. So, so we did. We busted miss there. <laughs> One is we built downtown in the municipality in the city limits, and we built a monitor style barn. And we built it on a basement. And so she was able to turn that thing into a duplex. So, like, once we broke ground, she was like, hey, I'm thinking duplex, baby. And so, like, we did that as well. So we get asked all the time, like, can you do this multifamily? Can you do this? And it's a small segment of business. But if you're watching, and that was, like, kind of a question is, can I put this on a smaller lot? Can I put this in a city? Can I put this and make a a multifamily thing? Yes. The answer is yes. But, again, there are certain obstacles and hurdles that you may have to, you know, have some give and take and what your expectations are to make it possible, but you can absolutely do it. Um, but the, but the, the bigger picture is, is most of the time people want to go out and find their land. And that's kind of part of the process with us. You know, when you, you know, go through onboarding, like one of those things are we come out and, and take a look at your land and help you figure out like, where's the best place to put it? Cause more often than the downtown tiny parcel, we're dealing with, Hey, I just bought 40 acres. And we want to put our house in the worst location possible. So talk That's a little bit about that. the very first one we ever did. Yeah, talk, talk, talk about that. Like the very you, first one we ever did. You show up and, like, people's perspective is, is location only, but they're not thinking functionality of the land. So um, in the beginning, you know, we were saying yes to everything. We were like, oh, absolutely, we can build this. And if you remember the very first one we went to, you were already there. I pulled up, and the guy had already done a bunch of his own grade, and we looked at it, and, we, and it had rained, like, prior to that. And he pointed to a position on that property where all the water had settled, and he said, I'm going to build a house there. And I was like, where the pool's at? And so the biggest thing is, is in that first 
in the primary stage, when someone gets ready to build, that's where the dream happens. They already know exactly where that house is going to go, what the dream looks like, you know, where the driveway is going to be at, what they want to see from their front porch, every perspective, they know what they want. And then you show up and you're like, well, yes and no. And that's where you shape that dream. And a lot of people say, you know, during that no process, it's not no like negative. It's for the best course of action. We're going to lean in and tell you what can be done and what can't be done. Well, it's, it's bottom line budget. Yeah. Very, very few times are we dealing with someone where like, you know, if, if people tell me money's not an issue, it's because you ain't got none. But it's very, it's not often the case where people are like, this is what. You ain't got none. That's yeah, great. It's, a, it's 100% true, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that is true. If you it's got good. money, you got to wall up. You know what I mean? You're going to put a limit on it. And if you're telling me, I was like, it's a limitless budget. Yeah. Bull. The, the chance of that being real is, is yeah, not likely. Bull. But most people are doing this from a place of, I want what's you know, economical. And so they, you know, there's a huge idea around barn dominiums being so much cheaper and in the right context they are. But when you go out on a property and you're like, this is the view that I want, it's possible. Let's let's, let's rewind that statement back a little bit. Cause especially on our following on Facebook, we have a humongous group of people and we have our onboarding process. People just pile through it. It's just a nonstop revolving door. People just coming through it. And you see some backlash every once in a while where someone goes, I talk to them and they're just as expensive as a stick build. And there is some truth to that and there is some lie to that. The truth is, yes, we do build and we build with pride. We're not the cheapest on the block for sure. If you want the cheapest, you know where to go. They usually are sitting on wheels. We just don't build that. The catch, though, is is that where we started you know, in some markets, we're at 160, 170 a square foot. In other markets, we're at 180, 190. We are the most affordable, I promise, for the finishes in every market that we're in. Well, not every even market. the finishes, but the standards, That's right? right? Like, That's right. you got to compare apples to apples. And, and we've kind of addressed this before where it's like you're getting six-inch wall cavity. That's right. You're getting full encapsulation of spray foam insulation. You're getting a metal roof. You're getting metal siding. You're getting a lot of things that, that are massive upgrades. So if you're comparing it to just a – you know, cookie cut or out of the box home that someone can come build you. Yes. It's going to be more expensive or at least as much, you know, and then, but if you were to compare it to a, a custom build with the same caliber finishes, it is very affordable. Um, but again, budget drives everything. So you're looking at dirt and you've got this amazing idea. Like I've, I've had so many conversations with people, especially back in the beginning when I was meeting people on their land. And the thing is like, Hey, we, we want to build this house and we need to elevate it to a point. We want to be able to sit on our porch and look over this tree line and see the river or whatever the case is. And I'm like, that's fine. It's going to cost $150,000 in flat work and dirt work and earthwork to get this there. And, and no one really thinks about that concept because that's not in that square footage price. Correct. And so the biggest thing is like to bring that full circle and that the part about what is truth and what is lie. The truth is we are at that 160, 170 mark in some markets. The problem with it is, is when someone sits down and they go, absolutely, we can build a house turnkey, 160 a square foot, no problem. And then you look at their their sheet where they're doing their specs and they have an upgrade of $50,000 in cabinets and $10,000 in granite that's above and beyond. And no wonder your square foot price is two twenty five, two fifty. Yeah. And it's not it's not the Barndo Co. It's you. Well, uh, but again... It, it, Another thing that that really pushes budget up 
Mm-hmm. Is the land right? So they're like, "Hey, I got this land. It was a great deal. I bought it for ten grand an acre, five thousand an acre." And like, I, in my mind, they're like, "I think about one of the first barns we built. I, we pulled up at that property, and it had, had like snowed a little bit, and we're we're out there, and you're you got a trimmer F two fifty, and we're stuck. And I'm going, bro, you got to get a concrete truck out here. You got to get semis out here. Your driveway is a mile long, and it's nothing but a mud pad." The gravels with the, extreme terrain. Yeah, the gravels thirty grand, and we ain't even started putting equipment on site yet, and so that could become a limiting factor. So if you buy this piece of land, and your idea is I want to be so far off the road that nobody sees me, great. Budget's got to allow for that because to put in a thousand foot drive, even if you're doing gravel, is money. Not only that, but utilities have to get there, water has to get there, all the things have to align, and then. You get out there, and the spot that they've picked, we either are having to bring dirt in to bring it up because it's in a pond like the one guy in Fountain Inn, or we're having to come in and, and really scrape the knoll because, you know, like I remember one of the first builds we went and looked at up in western North Carolina, and they they had bought this land. They're like, we got to steal. Like everything around us is comp way higher, and we got up there, and we're like, yeah, you got, we got to move a mountain. We have to like dynamite into a mountain. To make this, you, I remember real. that one. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and the, we and had a literal conversation where I asked them point like, if you remember that, so I said, "Is your property flat?" And they went, "Absolutely." And I said, "Let me put it this way: If I park a vehicle on your lot and I knock it in neutral, will it roll?" Yeah. And they were like, "Nah, it won't roll." And we got there, and that thing was like on a on a ten percent. 20%, 30% gray, where it was a mountain. It, it was, was a mountain. It was, it was insanity. Rock. It wasn't even like it was dirt. It, it was, was rock. insanity. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and one of the things that I used to always say to kind of help people visualize, like if you're if you're if your land was glass and your home was a marble, would it sit still when you laid it down? Right. And and that kind of gives them a little and they're like, well, it'd probably roll a little bit. Cause what when you're envisioning, if you're not familiar with terrain, and you're like, oh, it's just got a light slope. Well, a light slope over 80 to 100 foot for a pad is a lot of dirt. You know, you're talking, you might be six, eight feet on the back end. And you got to do something with that. And so I think that land, the struggle with land is people look at it as, as two completely separate entities. Like, hey, well, I got a good deal on the land. Now I need a good deal on the home. But the problem is you got to make the land suitable for the home. And that's where a lot of things get lost. In and we help with that. So like in the onboarding, again, we send people out. Right. They, they look at it and, right. and, and it's our job to say, what, what is your budget? And we're going, you got a hundred thousand dollars and work here. But if you were to put your home here, you could do it for 10 grand. And, you know, sometimes, well, it's not something like every time the budget is the bottom line. And so that is the most important piece is not just does the land look beautiful, but is it feasible? Is it buildable? Is it, and, and again, having someone come in and so, part of the pathway forward and reason why we did what we did with the way we bring clients into this experience is you need to know those numbers. And here's the thing there, every job is different. So a lot of people get really frustrated and are like, well, I need to know what it costs. What is a typical cost? There is no typical cost. We're building on every kind of soil. Like you said, this, well, to, let's, let's to, lean back into the, 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 the very first strap we ever got was Somerville. Oh yeah. We thought we had, we, we got Duncan conquered. We went to Somerville, and they're building on sand. No one knew anything about DHEC permits where they were so shallow. So there's times where it might be flat as a pancake, but because it's flat as a pancake and because of the soil that it's there, 
is that you have to elevate that thing so high. You're talking another thirty to fifty grand just to elevate that thing so or, high. Or you get into engineered septics. It's insanity. Which is which is common. Yeah. You know, and so there are cost effective strategies to get there, but we like to present you with all those options on the front end. And so, you know, we can't control the dirt you own. We can just provide you a path forward. If your budget allocates and it's allowed that you could you could elevate that slab and conquer it that way, let's do it. If if it's not, then there is a way to remedy it, you know. But again, and, and some of this is learning curve because you get in there and like expectation experience, they don't line up a hundred percent. So you you know, we we've done a better job of communicating on the front end of what to expect. And that's where onboarding was really born. And a lot of people, again, think they just charge that to have a conversation. No. They just charge that to get plans. No. We'd charge that to build a game plan, a strategy. So that when you execute on a contract with us, there's nothing hidden there. Now, is there a chance that you get into construction and, and an unknown thing comes up? Yes. Right? This is this is the real world we live in. Nothing's ever perfect. But taking that guidance down through there and finding that land. And again, you said this to one of our bill partners in Tennessee uh, Monday. We were up there hanging out with them. You're like, the, the thing is, in the state of South Carolina, we have everything. We have mountains. We have foothills. We have red clay. We have sand. We have swamps. And we took the lashings of lack of experience. And when we got the experience, we built a system to cater to it. All right. You know, so again, if you're out there, and you're looking right. Like, and you're, and you're, you're in this process of like finding land and you think you got it or like, Hey, I'm working with a realtor already. That's great. You don't, you don't have to stop working with them. But you do need to lean in early in the process, and I think a lot of people get that wrong. They like they just go in heavy, they find the land, they buy it, and then they want to come to us and onboard or get started. And if they'd have had a little guidance in the beginning, maybe you know you're looking at two lots of land. One was eighty grand, one was a hundred grand, and you bought the eighty grand because it seemed like a better deal. But that one took fifty grand to get buildable. The hundred grand would have cost five. Oh, well, I mean, let's lean back on the on another thing you said earlier. <clears throat> when you're building on your own lot, there, there there's something always hidden. There, there, there's never a situation unless we're building subdivisions like we build where I'm sending a, you know, a soils guy in, they're drilling the ground. We're, we're grading massive amounts of dirt. There's nothing hidden there. But when we're, when we're dealing with a one acre lot amongst five acres, you know, we, we've dug down and found buried junk. We've dug down and found buried wells. We've buried trash, buried, you know, timber. We we've, found stone. We have found stone you just don't know. And so when when it's built on your own lot, which is the majority of our business, rest assured, you're going to find something that's completely hidden. Now, here's the catch, is that if you're the homeowner and you're working with the Barndo Co., you have to be in the mindset that we, there's a we here. This isn't they hired us to build this house that we're going to take them to the promised land. We are all moving to one continuous goal. And where you see confrontation in any construction business is when the homeowner goes, they are a problem, and they didn't know what they were doing, and they didn't foresee this problem. Yeah. It's hard to foresee things in dirt when we, we don't own the dirt in the first well, place. Uh, yeah, we got to be clear what was being provided, right? We're providing the service of building your home. Now, we also are providing the service to make the land buildable, but the one thing that's a variable we can't control is we didn't buy the land for you. And so we do this now. Like, I mean, it, you know, if you're in one of our market centers and you're, you know, in this place where you're like, I, you know, this land home thing, it's just, a, it's a lot of work, guys. Like, it's not easy. That's why there's not a lot of, the, your friends don't do it because it's not easy. Okay. So you're doing this thing and you're, you're finding hurdles and you're like, I just wish I could find 
all-in-one turnkey solution. We have those. So if you're in the in in the low country of South Carolina, our Somerville team has some really great opportunities out in Ridgeville. Um, so the Ridgeville, we have several developments down there, and some of them are probably 100% Barnuminium communities. Some of them may be peppered in with different types of customs. But we have opportunities there where we have a, a ton of land available, um, all of the heavy grading has been done. The road systems are in. The utilities are under control. Everything's been perked for septic. They're way ahead of the game, and so we are building some specs. So there will be there's there's product available where you could go in and say, hey, this is midway through construction. Pretty quick opportunity for you to jump in and capitalize. Those go, get gob- gobbled up quick. Normally, yeah, I love them. Normally, but when when we launch one, we say, hey, we're building this on this lot. It, it's normally like a five day deal, and we got somebody putting an offer in, but. But we have an abundance of land. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina, we have our Riverbend community, which is killer. And we've got two specs that we're building right now. Um, I think there's two more lots available in that phase one that's still remaining that you could purchase that are already pert, ready to go. We know what the what the cost will be to get them. There's buildable. nothing hidden. Yeah. But, you know, but you can still come into your custom design and that, right. you know, so there's there's strategy for that. And we're trying to cater more to that to where, you know, everybody's in different walks of life. And, and one of the, the pushbacks that I've, I've gotten recently because of interest rates. And again, we can control what we can control. I can't control the Fed. I can't control the interest. Um, but a lot of times, like, you know, people had a budget and, and construction loans are typically a little more. And so when they look at the outcome of like if I were to pursue this construction loan versus a traditional loan, I can get more house with the traditional loan. Have that conversation with your sales rep because we have product available and we have a board of things that are coming available. And so there's opportunities there to where you could come in and enter into a contract on a land home package. As long as the land is held by us, we do it often where people say, I want to build this house. We we spec everything out and you know the house has already been permitted, but you could still come in and pick your cabinet colors and floor colorings and paint colors and all that stuff. And we can deliver that product to you, and you can buy it with a traditional thing. And it speeds we'll, of the process. Yeah, we'll build the house, and then at, when it's ready, you come in and buy it. And it, and the, but the the advantage of that is for us, if you don't buy it, we we own the land, we own the home, we can turn around and sell it to the next person. Versus if you're building on your own lot, there's just a different hurdle there. You've made an investment in dirt, and now that that dirt is an us thing. The home, that's a that's us. That's that's Barno. But the but the land is is us and the client, the consumer, you, you and us are responsible for that dirt. And and we can give you a lot of guidance. But again, to you scrape it back, there's not a whole lot to know. Like we do soil testing and we can guide you through that and get all the safety nets in place. But like for instance, you go to Campobello, we start digging and realize somebody buried a house there eighty years ago, you know, you're digging up a washing machine in the pad. You don't you don't know that. Um, there's no way of knowing that. So you're, you're taking a little bit of a risk when you bring your land to the table. And I think a lot of that gets lost in translation. You I mean, know? it's a terrible situation when, you ha- when that happens because when you dig up one piece of trash, you have to dig up more and dig up more and hope you don't find anything. Yep. It's just an endless pit that you don't know what you're fixing to get into. Yep. So, again, you know, c- circling back a little bit here, like full circle on this, like, again, if you build it, they'll come. So when we enter a market center, we're entering it because we know there are consumers there that want the product, but there's not a real science around. So like we knew there were people in the low country market that wanted to be there. And when we put a flagship in Somerville, within 12 months, builds are peppered all around Somerville, right? right? Because it's local. People see it there. They can come in and they can touch and feel and do have the same experience that the people were having in our upstate location. 
And again, that's why now we're in Eastern North Carolina with the Dunn location, like providing the, 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 the courtesy and the, the convenience of walking in and having that experience local to you. We build across all of South Carolina. So you may be in Columbia. We have a small office in Columbia. I don't have a design center in Columbia, but if you're in Columbia, you could hit Somerville or you could hit Duncan. But just because we're not there doesn't mean we can't build there. We have teams there. Like we have we have project managers that live in that market. We have salespeople in that market. Um, same thing's true for Western North Carolina. A lot of times I get pushed back online. They're like, hey, I see you're in Dunn, but like you said, you could build in Greensboro. Well, of course we can. We we were building Greensboro before we ever had Dunn. That's it's right. just, again, the 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 market centers drive where we put a place for convenience for consumers. So Eastern North Carolina, it's a five to six hour ride to get to one of the other two locations. But if we put one there, it now it's created convenience in that marketplace. And we know with the convenience comes more business. And so you'll start seeing more and more build in that area. Um, and that's, that's kind of the rural push between Wilmington and Raleigh where people are flooding into that area. And again, our client base, our consumer base is rural America. Again, can we build downtown? Absolutely. Can we build on a basement? For sure. Are there limits and constraints to those two things? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's just a conversation. I'm the limit and restraints guy. Yeah, well, you can't. You can't. He's pin, the he's the yes guy. You can't pin salespeople and 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 marketing people up because we're gonna be like, of course we can do that, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just a, it's a conversation. So there, if you're if you're thinking about doing this, and even if you're not in a center that we service, have conversations with builders because it, it's kind of like using uh, AI. You know, like ChatGPT is amazing, but your prompt drives a response. So the better you are at the prompting, the better you are at receiving data that's that's actually usable. And so if you're going in to have these conversations, prompt this, the conversation with, this is what we want to have. How do we get close? And then you you give the freedom for the builder to kind of work with you to come up with a game plan. Like everybody loves our still trust. If you're building on a basement, sometimes we can utilize that, but more often than not, we're going back to a conventional trust system. And so it's like, hey, in order to obtain this lot, make it feasible and make it on a basement this is a sacrifice. And so it's a little give and take, but we can most oftentimes arrive at a place where everybody's happy. Right. Yeah. So the entire premise of our business is making dreams come true. So the whole point of this whole entire podcast is, you know, the field of dreams situation is we want to serve the public 100%. Yeah. However, there are some parameters. And so it's just easier to have those things talked about up front. That way everything's out on the table, full transparency. We know what you're dealing with. We know if the dirt needs to be replaced, go in, you know, hog it out, start back over completely. You know, there's nothing hidden, but it's a, it's sometimes it's a sad day. Well, Someday it's a bad dream. Your advantage as a consumer looking to do this now and you hear like some someone had a, poor experience in the process maybe not necessarily with us maybe it was with us but you you know the internet's a dangerous place because all you need to do and this is funny this is this is completely irrelevant but i got to share this so like if you really want to get good information from a social media post the best thing and I, i'm guilty right so i do this a lot to, to create chatter is ask a question and if you ask a question less than 10 percent of people want to engage to give you information 
but 90% of people want to prove that someone else's information was wrong. So I'll post a question. I'll call my buddy and say, hey, go in there and give me a stupid answer. And then the comments will flood with everyone trying to prove his point of view wrong. So the, the, the thing about it is, is if you ask a question online, you're going to get tons and tons of stuff. And what is it based on? Experience. It's, you know, my personal experience. So a builder's perspective is, hey, over my experience, which could be 10 builds, it could be 10,000 builds, it could be one year, it could be 100 years, but their experience is going to drive their answer. Um, if you if you ask a consumer, a homeowner, they built one house, maybe two, you know, and their experience is based off what they experienced. And so it's all perspective. So again, if you're coming in there and you ask some kind of broad spectrum question or you have this concern because you see, you read something online the, the advantage you have coming in is you can learn from that experience. So someone built with us or they built with someone and they were in a market center and there was a disaster or something took place. You know, there was a soils concern or this and that happened and this was a delay. Well, the thing about it is if it was us, here's what I can promise you. We address that head on and we have a game plan in place now for that in the future. Because again, you're opening a mystery with dirt every single time. And so the more that we uncover the more we know leading in and guiding you again, which is why onboarding is so important because again, it's not, it's, this is not a contract for us to engage in long-term services. It's a short-term agreement. And it, we, sometimes we come in and we, we map it out and we pave a way for the next builder to come in and be successful. Some, you know, more oftentimes than not, those people continue down that journey with us, but Every single rep, it gets better and better and better and better and better. So just because you saw something that made you think, you know, oh, my gosh, that's concerning to me, it, it's really your to your advantage. Yeah, I promise I'll stay off of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's so hard. Like, here's it, it's a blessing and a curse, right? So the blessing is we have 500,000-something people engaged in our Barnuminium group and they, they get in there and you see everything, right? And there's other businesses that come in and they're advertising services and stuff. And it's, you know, it's free market. We, we, we control a little bit of that information because sometimes you just know something's like a scam, you know? Well, the actual piece that what we do is a, is a niche in and of itself. So the, my point with that is, is that if you get a regular custom house built, there's no such thing as group 500,000 people in a custom house group. It just doesn't exist. But I promise you, there's hundreds of Barnuminium groups that are hundred thousands of people, and it's just its own little niche. And it's and, so, and, it, and it's filled with opinions that are based off experience. Cow. And some of them aren't based off any experience at all. It's based off of what I've consumed from this platform. And here's what I'll tell you: is a lot of times, if a builder is engaging, they're looking at it from the perspective of how can I best help you. If a consumer is engaging, they're looking at it from let me tell you what happened to me and, or let me tell you everything that I've read because, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about building Barnum Minions for a year or two now and I'm an expert, like what they're saying is wrong. And this is that. And again, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole of the, 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 the absolute ridiculous things that I see people arguing about when it comes to building. But again, it's where's the information coming from? You know, what is it? And then a lot of it's noise and chatter. There's noise and chatter. There's a lot of people who got FOMO, right? Like, I wanted to do this. I can't afford to do it, so I'm going to tell everybody else it's not an economical way of building. There you go. And so you 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 set a precedence for that. And so a lot of noise. Out of 500,000 people in that group, I would say less than 100,000, maybe less than 50,000, actually own a Barnuminium. Maybe less than 10,000. 
right? And so you get a lot of noise, and that's why it's, it's important that you go and you sit down with a builder and you have a conversation. Um, and it don't have to be us. I hope it is, you know, if you're in our area. But but you got to get a perspective that can help you accomplish what you're trying to get. And don't just give up because you heard somebody had a bad experience or, or somebody had a had an uphill road to get to theirs because that's just building in general. And if you talk to a builder and they tell you, we don't have mistakes, we don't do anything wrong, and everything's perfect, and everything's going to be exactly how you Liar. want run for the hills because it's not real. No, it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. And if it is real, it's because they haven't built a barn yet, right? And so, I mean, it's just like anything else. We were, and it's not to our own horn, but we were talking uh, with someone else, and they were from North Carolina, and they were saying, you know, they're building barnuminiums, and <clears throat> our motto is always to give. You know, we we've buried that ego, and we don't have we have competition, but it doesn't scare us. But uh, you know, I was listening to some of the things that he was saying. And when he got done, I guess the only thing that in my mind uh, it, it, that I could think of was it was one. You've built one. Do you remember the first one we built? I'll never. It was the hardest one we ever built. Yes. It was terrible. Anything you do in life, the very first time you do something, it's the hardest time you'll ever do it. Any new action, any any new discipline, it's the very first time is going to be a nightmare. And um, he had one under his belt had a thousand things to say about it. We had a thousand things to say that we had learned, but you know, I was, it wasn't a pity situation. It was just, man, I was listening to it and I was like, bub, you just don't know. Yeah. Somebody's fixing to get that whip out. Yeah. No, it's just, there's, there's so many levels to it. And again, wow. and again, like it, 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 we, you learn from experience. And so we've been in a very unique and blessed opportunity to where when we launched into the marketplace, we had to get reps really quickly. We have some clients, and I have good relationships with with. If you take the first ten, I have really good relationships with the majority of those people. Some people, their experience didn't match their expectation. We could take blame for that. We didn't know how to communicate what we didn't know. Some of it is it's just it's just the irrationality of people, right? I mean, you live in a day and age where someone goes to Wendy's and their order's not right. They go online and like write a review about how bad Wendy's is, and I'm like, I mean, it's Wendy's. It's Wendy's. You know what I mean? Like, was your expectation there? It was like you. Ruth Chris, you know, well, I mean, you bought a $9 cheeseburger, bro. They put the wrong thing in the bag. Like, get over it. But we live in that world where people's opinions surface immediately, and there's no barrier. Everyone has a platform. Everyone has a thing. But, like, when you go into that, we have a really good reputation with the people that we navigated through a difficult situation with. But some people you're just never going to please, and that's okay. Right. I don't, I don't, there's not a single person that I built for where I hold resentment towards them at all, but it is a very, very, very high emotional state. It is a very, very, very high processed event to turn nothing into something. And so if you're thinking about doing this, it's not unicorns and rainbows. And if, if you sit down and talk with anybody with experience, they should let you know that up front. Like, you should the, the majority of the conversation should be about what the give and take, right? Yes, we can do that, but this. Yes, that can happen. However, this could be, you know, like, yes, that's possible, but this is what that costs. Yes, we, you know, our goal and our objective is to build it as soon as possible, but it may take longer. And and like I say, we got entrenched with this because we came into the market and it just kind of slingshotted to where we were getting our reps one or two at a time. We were getting our reps 10, 20 at a time. And so it's just it's it's just a it's an evolution 
of doing what you're doing. And so, like, one thing that a lot of people don't think about, and we didn't think about, it wasn't our radar at all, warranty. You know, you go talk to a to a builder that's pumping out hundreds of homes, right? Shout out to my trap builders because, like, you know, it. without you, I wouldn't have an upsell advantage. But also without you, like, people wouldn't have homes. So I have nothing against track home builders. They, they provide an incredible service that we don't offer. But those guys understand warranty and how what that looks like and what arm of your service is doing that and how do you negotiate contracts. And, and the thing about it is this, from our perspective, is going, that's covered. We don't deal with any, you know, cousin Rickies that are out here on the side, you know, and they're like, you got a landscaping business, but they also, yeah, they can also paint houses. And so, you know, and then when you have an issue six months later, they're gone. So, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're approaching this budget is driving the conversation 99% of the time, but inside of that, look at what you're getting. You know, if, if, if a new car rolled into the marketplace and it was half price, and you're like, I'm buying that car, but no one had the parts to work on it. That's the part you think about after you signed and drove off the lot. Now you're like, oh, no, no one can work on this thing. Now what? Or there's one guy in town who can, and he charges a premium. So it's like this trade-off. So when you're going into this, ask those kind of questions to your builders. Hey, everybody wants to know what it's going to cost and how fast can you build it. That's a no-brainer. But the question that you could open up and ask is, okay, what does the warranty look like? And everyone's going to have a structural warranty because it's required. But what is the actual warranty? How do you handle this? What happens when this happens? What happens when, if my septic backs up in my house? What happens if, you know, uh, there there's a spot on the wall that we didn't catch during this part, but now, you know, we've lived here for three months and we've seen it and, like, it's an issue. How's that addressed? We have a system for that. Yeah. So, you know, and we and we didn't in the beginning. And maybe you're a new builder and you're listening and you're getting started and you're getting some 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 traction in your market. You better be asking yourself this Get question. Get a warranty. <laughs> Get a warranty, 100%. Like shout I have out, a warranty process. Well, look, shout out Home 210, right? So yeah. Home 210 is one of the biggest in the business, and it's one of those things where we didn't reinvent the wheel, right? Original costs money. Authentic is free. And so it works for the majority, and that's what the big guys were doing. So we adopted it. And so we went in and crafted a specific warranty within that scope that fits our product. And we said, okay, this is how we operate. And so there's an administrative team inside of that to where when you have that issue, you have someone you can get in touch with immediately, right? We have a sub base that is based upon years in business, license, workers comp, all these trades have to meet a certain criteria. And again, in the beginning, Maybe it wasn't there because, again, but now after years of reps and knowing what's important long term, when you when you finish your home, you you don't even have to call. Like if your he goes out, you know who to call. It's right there. And there's yeah. that's an established company in your area that will service that thing for the longevity of the build. You're not trying to go flag down Uncle Pete, right, that uh, it does this on the side. And then you end up having to call some other company. It costs you money. All this. Well, that's things. the cool like, thing is that all these guys, if they, if you're, if you're hiring good sub base, you got to get out the mindset, out of the mindset of I'm not going to hire Joe in a truck, because you might save a penny here today, but you're going to spend a hundred dollars to fix his mess. Yep. And so in that situation, especially in our company, is we have trade partners that have an agreement. There's an operating agreement that they're going to warranty that. They're going to do all their scheduling on their own. Every portion of this thing is premeditated for the system and the standard standard operating procedure to operate correctly. And so 
if if your heat goes out, you can go to the uh, circuit breaker in the house, open the door. There should be a magnet inside the door that says, this is your HVAC guy. This is the system that he installed. This is his contact information. There's an emergency number for him. And you can contact them directly and say, I need someone out here ASAP. <clears throat> Same thing goes for the plumber and the electrician. Those three things, those the, the, the MEP on any house is always set up with our clients to have direct access to these people in the case of any time there's a catastrophic event. Now, if there's a paint issue, if there's a cosmetic blemish on the countertops, if there's something that is cosmetic, that's an 11-month situation. And if you're, if you're with 210 Warranty, you're going to be in a situation where they'll explain the same thing to you. But it doesn't warrant direct access to the sub immediately. What it does warrant is to put that system together, submit the claim, the claim, and then immediately have a situation where it's handled. And it becomes a seamless process. It's an yep. amazing and situation. It, and it's spelled out to the T. You know the day that you get that warranty packet, what is covered, what is not covered. That's right. And, and your protection is outlined. Again, expectation and experience. You you know what to expect. That's right. And so, um, and it's, it's different. Like, I mean, if I weren't in the space, I wouldn't know what's covered and what's not covered. Right. So it's really, and it's great. And the cool thing about that is, like, we don't have an ego around, like, we well, we'll just handle that ourselves and save the money. We pay money. We pay for that warranty for you to carry it on your home. We pay that company to facilitate that warranty. And what it does is gives you direct access. Well, it holds it holds us accountable. Yep. And it holds them accountable. So if at the 11-month mark when you walk in and your kids ran his head through the wall, <laughs> that's not our problem. I'm up. sorry. I know that sucks, but I'm sorry. And then what it does is it gets the, the monkey off of our back to be in a situation where 210 steps in and goes... I'm sorry, client A and B, this is not a covered loss. This is a situation where you created the damage yourself, and that's your problem. That's yeah. not their problem. But if there's a situation where it is their problem, absolutely, they will hold us to the fire. Yes. No, there's there's no getting away from it because we we are bound by that contract. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a way to operate. And, again, if you're a consumer, these are the questions you should be asking. Right. Um, you know, and so kind of pulling this thing back around – full circle and you know again i i'm excited about the baseball field of dreams field of dreams baby field of dreams but like the cool thing about baseball for me what's more exciting for me than just the uh like the pros getting up because my wife i know hannah's a hardcore she's diehard brave like she went to college and her whole dream and mission in life was either to be a mom or to be a sports commentator for the <laughs> atlanta braves thank god we had children because I couldn't live in Atlanta. The best thing coming out of there is I know. Just a few more, more, and you can have your own team. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're trying to do. Like, like I just make you coach. Um. So, but she, she, she's diehard. But for me, it's Miracle League baseball, man. Mm -hmm. And so, shout out Miracle League, Pam Dean, the director of our local Miracle League, Carolina Miracle League. Um. It's just an incredible platform. And again, uh, you know, we'll we'll never not talk about this. Um, it's one of the huge core values of who we are. We give, we give, we give, and we want to partner with people where we can make an impact locally. So, like, we build houses, we do all those things, but more importantly, we want to be staples in the communities <coughs> we serve. And so um, if you build a home with the Barndo Co., or if you engage it all, if you purchase plans from our website, you build a home with us, you onboard with us and at least get the, the, the preliminaries knocked out, a portion of every single dollar that comes in this company goes back to the Miracle League. And we set a pretty lofty target this year. Um, you know, we we want to get fifty grand to the local 
Carolina Miracle League, and then right. in all the other sub-markets, um, we're partnered up, and so we're making donations in those markets as well. And so baseball season to me means big impact because we get to yeah, go out there yeah. and hang out with those kids. and It'll change you know. your life. It's incredible, bro. Like, and if you don't know what the Miracle League is, the Miracle League is adaptive is adaptively baseball for kids and adults with you know special abilities. And so they, you know, they they format the game to where they get this once in a lifetime chance to go out and have fun and and do this baseball thing. And you know, there's there's children that are in wheelchairs. There's 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 adults that you know, in in no other way could they accommodate this. And then the, the Miracle League has just stepped in and made that possible. And I, I reap the benefits of it because I have a daughter that plays. And, and I remember when she was four and, like, you know, they told us she'd never walk at birth. Right. And then I remember she was four and a half years old and she's, like, rounding the bases with a little walker. And I'm, like, over there crying in the background. Like, it's it's an amazing thing to be in a position to where we can feed into that and foster it with money but also with time. And so, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm It's a, a huge impact. For sure, man. It, well, it, and it's a huge impact on the people that are in the company because we go out as a team and absolutely. we and volunteer. And, like, there's no one that goes that leaves going, that didn't make me a it, better it, person. It absolutely impacts our company more than it does the kids or anything else. Mm-hmm. And it just touches our family. Yep. So, anyway, I'm excited about that. If you ask me who my favorite team is, is all the Miracle League teams. Miracle all the Miracle League teams. They're just incredible. Um, and, and, and we we have such a dynamic one here in the upstate. I, in my, from my experience, the best one in the country. Um, and and so, even if you're not building with us or purchasing our product, at least reach out to us to, if you feel led to help the miracle. I'll connect we'll, you straight to them. We'll connect you straight to them. It's an amazing experience. Yep. If you're yep. a business that wants to be hooked up, reach out to TJ. Yeah. It's a, uh, it will forever change the face of your business. Yeah. The, yeah. There's no greater reward than giving away yeah. stuff like that. So we're kind of wrapping this bad boy up, but now we're going to transition over to the fun part, which is our barn burners. What we do is we, we do have this uh, Barnuminium designs and layout page is a good place to like get in there and we pull through all the stuff. And so we see you, right? Um, and one way that we want to engage with that is like we see your question and then we want to give you our perspective on it. And so um, Jenna and our marketing team, she does a great job like facilitating all that. So she always pulls a lot of content out of this. So um, what, what, what kind of questions do we got? This She's week? behind the scenes. Who is everyone's go-to for buying and customizing plans? The Bordeaux Co. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing is I, I've got a lot of opinion in this because again, proper plan, like failing to plan is planning to fail. And so if your go-to is I, I want the cheapest option or I shopped on Etsy or please you know, not Etsy. My, my, we, we live that dream. Please the, not end up with a piece of paper. Yes. So, but in my experience, and you can back this up because you build them, like you're, you're you're responsible for the detail. Is you want someone who not only can give you a set of plans, but can plan what your experience is going to be. Which means I don't I don't just need a square with with room layouts. I need to know what footings are going in. Um, what, what are the footing All sizes? the details. Yeah, what, what is the door sizes? What are the window sizes? You know, um, are there any elements of the build that you won't call out specifically? You know, in, in, in our instance, when we're building specs trump everything. So like your, your plans may have some general information, um, but your specifications will overrule if there's ever a conflict. Like, well, the plan shows that it has this, but my specifications are this specs win because you spent time with us and we dedicated the specs to the build. Um, so the plans are a very important piece, but you, you need a, an, an entire encompassation of like encompassment. <laughs> what is the word there? 
You need to encompass the entire thing <laughs> with with all the details. MEP is a big deal, right? You you need where where are the lights going? Where are the light switches going to be? Where is there a platform for your HVAC? Where so, where is that going to be? Like speak yeah, into this because this is yeah, the most so critical piece of the, of the most the critical process. thing is we we typically. When we first started this, we were like, hey, write it on a piece of notebook paper. We'll figure it out. We were using magic that was, plan. That was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And so the more detailed your plans are, and I'm, and people can go overboard. I've seen plans that are 100 pages long. That's too much. Yeah. But there are subgroups, especially with our designers in the Barn Doco, where we require a certain amount of subgroup detail that I need to know what's going on in these walls. I need to know what's going on 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 the footings, I need to know each individual blown up piece. That way, when the county gets it and they come out and say, well, why is this footing 18 inches wide and 22 inches deep? I can pull the piece of paper out and go, that's why. And the reason being is for us is because every one of our plans, even though we have really good designers, we then take that design plan and then we ship it out to a structural engineer, structural set. And that structural set gets even more detailed that's right. And so if you're building a house and you're not doing these things and you have a builder that says, put on a notebook piece of paper, either A, he's in the infancy stage, which we were a while back. That's not a dig at those guys. They're just, they're not accelerated enough to the point to where they're there. Yep. And then um, if if you get to a situation where you only have three pages to a piece of paper to a set of plans and you bring them to us and you go, can you price this? Obviously not. We can't. There's, it's, it's, it's like writing down a, a menu item and saying, I want a hamburger or a cheeseburger, but I want you to guess the ingredients. Yeah. Well, I would even lead in and say this, that the honest answer is if your builder has someone they work with, work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't had conversations with builders, don't even talk plans yet um, because you want a global strategy and you want all the pieces working together. So um, all of our designers, and we have several, but they're, and they're all really great. Um, e- each one has kind of their own specific scope, what they're really good at. But we require them to use Revit. Mm-hmm. They can't design any other platform. We have a lot of great designers that come to us that use different systems, and we're like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't make it work because I've got to have the Revit file. Why? Why is that important? It's going to save you time and money when I send it to my engineer because my engineer will be able to pull that – Revit file and go in and, and do their strategy and the same thing. Now I know that there's ways around it where you can use like CAD files and they DWGs and stuff like that. But the experience that we've had where everyone's in the same software and everyone's speaking the same language and the engineer knows the way we prefer to do it um, as a go-to method and the designer knows what, what our standards are, you end up with something that kind of uh, it's a global it's strategy. A yeah, it it's works together. It's not even to that. I mean, it, you got from from the architect to the designer to um, the structural set, from the structural set to the field. Once it gets to the field, the reason why we require Revit or the format itself is because not only does it start with those three guys, when it ends up in our project manager's hands and our area manager's hands and, it, and all of our subs – they're not looking at 30 different versions of a set of plans that have 30 different formats. They're yeah. looking at one format. That's right. And it's perfection. Well, and, it, and it, there'll still be a hurdle inside of that, yeah, but yeah. It, you're, you're, you're limiting it. Who asked that question? Adam Sestick. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. That was a great question. <laughs> Hopefully we answered it good. What else we got? Ashley Myers Zelmer, who said, thinking of building a separate shop first, big enough to put a camper inside to live in, then build our home later. 
what would be a good size for that? So good. That, how big is the RV? Yeah, right? that's right. Um, so I want to address a bigger piece of that pie. We get this all the time. Hey, we want to build this. And then as soon as it's done, we want to build this. And in your mind, that makes sense. But again, create a global strategy. If you know that's the game plan, and that's really the game plan, right? And you're not just using it for a bargaining token to try to like convince your builder to give you a good deal on the first structure, you know, like, hey, we're going to build this garage with a one-bedroom apartment upstairs, and then we're going to build a 4,000-square-foot house later. Sometimes that's fluff. But what I would recommend is when you come in and you have the conversation about what would accommodate my RV and all that, additionally, what are you going to do with the house? Um, you know, is it going to be a barnuminium? If so, let's let's tackle all that at one time. Um, if, you, if you're, you're leaning another route, right, you're going to build this barndo type thing for your, this, and then you want to build more of a traditional. That's cool, too. You can you can separate the two. But if you're going to do it, you know, where we've seen it all the time is we want to have, you know, step one, step two, step three, and we're going to build this whole big thing over the next two, three years. There's so much synergy that you can get by doing it all up front, even to the point of permitting. If, if permitting is going to roll together and, the you know, you, you can implement that, and, and what you end up doing is, like, you get in situations where you have additional dwelling units, right, ADUs. Some municipalities have very strict rules about how where they're placed in proximity to the actual living structure, like what's the primary going to be. And so there's a lot of things there that you could lean into. And so if you're just asking the question, like, hey, what's the best size for my garage, the answer would be how big is your RV? Um, but if, it's a, if, if you're asking, like, hey, what's the strategy behind this, I would say lean into a builder and let them design all of it together, at least the generic elements of it so you get an idea of what that path looks forward. And here's the other side. If we're showing up and, and you're just worried about, like, here, here's the thing. If you're putting living quarters in that, there's, there's a, it's a six-month process to build it. I don't care how small it gets, right? If, you, if you're building with a production builder. But if if the goal was like, well, they can come and slap that up in a weekend and then I can live there while they build the rest of the house, that's not real. It's not real. It's just not real. Your, your experience is going to be completely different than your expectations. And so I would say build them together. If you need both, build them together um, or live in the RV, right? And if you just want to lean to over it, that's a different conversation. But live in the RV and build them both together because you're going to have a way better outcome. And, it, it, you know, because it's going to be long and drawn out. And it's not as simple as, well, it, it, this is a small one, so it should only take 30 days to build. That doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist because in the in the municipality's eyes, in the designer's eyes, in the engineer's eyes, in the construction's eyes, it's still a project. It's not just a building. Yeah. Well, with that, what about adding on to a barn dough? I know we get this question a lot. Can you add on to something that you've already built a couple of years down the road? Or can you renovate? How does that work? Absolutely. So the cool thing about our process is, is you can add on very, very easily. So we can knock out the, the gable wall end. And just keep carrying on the way we build. Just set another gable, set another concrete slab, and keep moving forward. However, rolling it backwards to the previous question, if you're living in the house, and we if you're living in the camper, which happens to be inside of a building, which happens to be the next process is building a house that attaches to that, it's a nightmare. It's it's you'd be better off to just build it all inclusive, one continuous structure, and be done with it. But if you have a house and you're wanting a garage attached to it, it makes it a lot easier because it doesn't. It can be on different elevations. It can be a drop slab. You can lower it. You can raise it. 
it just makes a very, very hard application to build house to garage versus garage to house. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, uh, we have a lot of people that come to us and they'll build, you know, one continuous structure and they'll have like this massive garage area. And part of it isn't necessarily because they need that much garage, but they have plans in the future to expand. And so they go ahead and get that continuation, that gable extension, and they close it in. And some people leave it a carport. We've done several of those. Or they have a gable extension, goes out an additional 30, 40, 50, 20, 10 feet, whatever it is. And then later down the road, you've already got the nuts and bolts there to kind of come in and like build that interior out however you want to and connect the two. Um, so that's only applicable in barnuminiums. Yeah. Yeah, for the because most the part. Because cool, well, yeah. the cool thing about it is, what I was thinking to say, so if it's a continuation of the structure, because our structures are perimeter load-bearing, you can just keep continue to build, and it can just sit there. And then you can come back later on and frame single-story, two-story, whatever you want to frame inside of it, yeah. and keep moving forward. Yeah, the only thing in that is a little bit of strategy. Like You would at least want to have a conversation with your builder if like the the plan encompasses a two a two story, mm -hmm. there's definitely going to be mo more than not. It doesn't have to, but more than likely, there will be some load bearing points inside of that. So you want to address that in your foundation in the beginning, mm -hmm. so that you you know you go ahead and pour the the thickened slabs and the the all the stuff where where it needs to be. Um, but yeah, no, for sure, you can build on very easily. That's all the questions we've got for today. Thanks, guys. Barn burners. Thanks, guys, for tuning in to the Barndo Show podcast. If you're watching on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this content, uh, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And then be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at The Barndo Co. Super simple to find us. And then when you're ready to dive in a little more, maybe look around some of our available floor plan options or take a look at the gallery of our work, or maybe you're ready to connect with our team and explore what it looks like to build your dream barn dominium. You can visit us online at thebarndoco.com.